Welcome to another episode of Coffee and Conversations, where we look at the intersection of relationships, faith, and leadership. I am one of your co-hosts, Michael Clark. And I'm Christian Harden. We're so glad you joined us. want to thank you again for joining us for another episode of Coffee and Conversations. We're so excited today. We've got a great guest in studio with we us, do. Nate Choi. Hello. Thanks for having me. So I was recently introduced to Nate. Those that are in Knoxville, uh, you might have heard about a new coffee shop um, opened last year called Likewise, right on Magnolia uh, in East Knoxville outside of kind of the Park Ridge area. Um, so it's it's a beautiful, beautiful house that they are using both as an office space for Raise a Voice, another nonprofit organization uh, working with women. But also that nonprofit owns the coffee shop, and uh, yeah. you can go and do likewise. You can go to likewise, have some great meetings, um, and you're going to see probably, if you're in the faith-based community, a handful of people that you know. It's true. You're like, what? John Jackson's here again? Networking. <laughs> Networking. It's awesome. So I definitely want to encourage you. Where I met Nate was right there and realized he knows my co-host, Christian, well from the Young Life days. That's true. So I'm excited just to hear a little bit more about Nate's story. I've gotten to sit down with him um, at a, at a, a sequential visit to Likewise <laughs> uh, with Nate. And I just, I'm excited for our listeners today. Yeah, so Christian, let's, let's dive into this together. But before we get in there, I want to thank... Ooh. Our coffee sponsor, Bryn. Too bad it couldn't be likewise today, but we thank Bryn because they're awesome. We do thank Bryn and they're Ethiopian. They're Guji. Got it from the truck at Fellowship North this morning Mm, before they closed at 1030. So if you're out in Knoxville running around, check them out. Saturday's Farmer's Market for now, still outside the Civic Auditorium. Mm -hmm. But maybe one day they'll be able to go back. But Nate, is it true that you were a Young Life leader at West High School? Uh, that you were the pastoral assistant at Hope Fellowship, and now you run REI. He runs REI. Yeah. Like from Seattle. Yes, yes, and not yet. Not yet. And not yet. He's the answer. So, um, yeah, I uh, enjoyed my time um, leading at Young Life, um, in Young Life at West High School. Um, I did Capernaum ministry um, for about a year and a half, and that's, you know, how we Mm -hmm. know each other. what, was, what were the other two things that you had? The pastoral assistant. Yes. Um, I said that's associate pastor, but he corrected me. He corrected us. Yeah. It's, it, it's, uh, it's just like in uh, the office, you know, the assistant <laughs> to the assistant, you know, kind of thing. And, and you know, I, I've loved my time at Hope. Um, I actually have just recently transitioned out of um, working in church staff um, and moving more bivocational. And so... Um, that is where the REI has come to the table, and I'm um, really excited to work there um, starting in May. And so, cool, cool, cool. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, how did you, you're not originally from Knoxville, um, where you grew up, what was life like, uh, and then include any of those key moments of kind of like people that um, really made impressions into your life? Yeah, so um, that actually leads pretty good. Well, mm. Yep. <laughs> compose, compose. Um, so I'm not originally from Knoxville. I was born in L.A. My my whole family, both sides, you know, mother's side, father's side, um, they're all still in L.A. And so that's sort of the Choi family home base. Um, and it's interesting because my family was 
we were always the ones moving to different parts of the United States. Um, and so my parents have been very influential in my life um, because of that. Um, we're a pretty tight-knit, close family unit. Um, and, you know, part of that's because we're moving all over the place by ourselves, you know, um, you know, different parts of the country and and your family tends to just stick together a yeah. little bit closer. You're um, all you have. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so um, got really close with my brother um, all throughout middle school and high school. Um, acted like I didn't know him at all when I was in elementary school, <laughs> you know, and so he's younger. He's older, older, actually. okay, and so um, usually it's flip flopped. Hmm. Yes, and it, it's been a big blessing um, for for him to be older because um, he just treated me just like the ideal older sibling, um, and that really blessed me. And so, um, yeah, that's awesome. So, so brother, big brother, brother uh, and father and mother, all of them, all, all of them. them were very um, influential. So one of the things that you shared with me uh, when we were meeting together was a little bit of the family history. Uh, in ministry, and I think this is what's really cool, and and I want us to go today to where you kind of see some of the ebbs and flows of what church dynamic is going to look like potentially in the future, but let's go and honor um, a little bit of the family legacy, though, there. I would really love for folks to hear that. Yeah, no, so um, I come from a somewhat long line of uh, pastors, and so my grandfather on my father's side um, was a minister, you know, um, he was uh, doing God's work over in South Korea, um, where that's where ethnically we're from, and um, there was just a generational um, mantle that was being passed down from my grandfather to my father to what I believe now um, to me, and so um, I guess that's a three-year... Um, you yeah, you're the third generation. Yeah, that's, third that's generation awesome. there. And so um, it all started with my grandfather because um, he was the first Christian actually in on my father's side. And um, yeah, so, you know, very rooted and based in um, Protestant, Presbyterian background. Um, that's just how I grew up. That's my upbringing. That's the denominations that my grandfather and my father were a part of. Um and I don't necessarily identify with, you know, that denominational background anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I would I like to use the term interdenominational now. So I'm mm-hmm. very much more open uh, to working alongside other um, uh, Christian bodies, and and um, you know, regardless of doctrinal differences. Um, but um, but yeah, you know, I'm thankful for that that um that grounding in the faith sure, um, yeah very come from a very theologically um um astute family and so my father i mean he should be a teacher mm-hmm. he should be a professor somewhere at a seminary um there's some language barrier and so you know yeah. i think he's he's enjoying the retired life um which is great, um, but there's still something where I'm like, ah, Dad, like... There's still more inside him. You would be some, a great yeah. teacher to a lot of young 
Korean American mm. pastors out there who um, are trying to find their way yeah. in um, today's world. And so there's a lot changing, I think. Um, so everywhere your dad pastored, were those Korean-speaking uh, yeah. churches? Yes. That's yes. amazing. So Love singing it. in Korean, yeah. sermons oh, cool. in Korean. Um, what cities did you guys, do you, what, what do you have uh, memory of, of moving where dad would start a Korean church or be a part of one? Yeah, so um, L.A., uh, that's where primarily my grandfather's ministry was. Okay. Um, and so after, you know, being in Korea and after the immigration, um, so my father ended up wanting to create his own, you know, path and legacy. And so we, we've, um, we've started a Korean church up in Oregon. We've been a part of a Korean community up in Virginia. Oh, wow. Um, so that's from coast to coast. Yeah, yeah wow. and, and actually, we're about to go over the sea or over over water too. And um, we actually lived in Hawaii for about a year okay. and eight months. And he started a, a Korean community there that's still um, active. Um, that's we awesome. have some pretty close friends um, uh, who are who are still um, living in Honolulu. Um, and, and you know, eventually, we found ourselves coming to Knoxville. Um, you know, I had no clue that there was even a Korean population. You so, know. so you're telling me there is? There is. That's they, awesome. Most of them are probably living in Farragut, you know, okay. or, or the West Side, and and that's where you'll you'll see a couple small Korean churches. And mm. so, that was originally one of the reasons why we moved mm. to Knoxville is so that my my father could pastor uh, this Korean church down in Farragut. I love it. Um, so. So yeah, yeah, family was moved, moved, and so they're all here now, or no? So they actually, um, we lived in Knoxville for about f- three years, and then they moved um, okay. back home, you know, to where they feel like they grew up. Um, at least my parents did, um, and so they're they're all back in LA. They're all back gotcha. on the West Coast. Yeah, back on the West Coast. So tell us a little bit about some of those. Some of the principles and I guess just leadership values that you saw dad and granddad and, and of course I would say your mom had some influence on shaping and molding you. What what are some of those things that really stand out to you that have made you who you are today? Uh honesty, I think, is the big one. Um my father and my grandfather both have incredible testimonies to where um they stood for what they believed in. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, ah, like, hey, dad, you know, maybe the tone wasn't right. Maybe, you know, like maybe your stance was a little too harsh. But ultimately it was it, it was these, um, you know, issues or, or uh, disagreements or, um, you know, differences in leadership or differences in um, how churches should be run or all of these questions that I think um, more and more um, – we're hearing about in churches, um, sort of the behind the scenes, you know, look, um, of just church leadership, church structure. And I just remember hearing and experiencing some, some stories where my father is taking a stand for what he believes is the truth. Um, what he believes scripture says, what he believes the spirits told him. Um, and there's just something about that, that I think is, really important um for the future and it's something that i am um aware that is in me but i'm i'm trying to learn how to um 
do that in the most respectful, honoring, selfless, uh, tactful, and yeah. tender way, which is something I think is a lost art sure. in yeah. today's uh, time in society. And so, because um, we just want to be heard versus actually making change come about, which means the other side actually understands us. Yeah, and you know, there's there's a lot of power dynamic. There's a lot yeah. of I'm right, you're wrong kind of yeah. uh, mentality, and you know, sometimes it's human nature. It is. It is human nature, and it's such a hard. It's a hard thing to pinpoint, let alone try to, you know, address. And so, yeah. Um, but yeah, my, you know, I think growing up and seeing that, um, just that, hey, this is what we believe, and, you know, we're gonna go that path. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna stick to what we believe. Uh, God has spoken to us. Mm. And I think that instilled in me just strong foundational, um, um, I guess, a personality of just strong, like, I'm going to keep to the foundations that I have. Yeah. I'm going to keep to um, what I believe. A good grounding, exactly. Yeah. That's incredible. Are there some things that you feel like um, God really started developing and placing in you during your time at Young Life? Or did more of your real leadership development and, and pastoral gifting start to kind of more manifest when you were at Hope? Like, wh what's been that process for you? Yeah, uh, I would say that um, I'm part of two um, bodies of, uh, you know, communities um, of the Lord, and that's Hope Fellowship and All Souls. And I would say that around, um, started going to All Souls around 2017, and from that point on, uh, there were there was just certain moments that year that um, God was really opening doors, opening my giftings, opening up um, opportunities to use those giftings and leadership capabilities and skills. Um, and then Hope Fellowship also came into play uh, the next couple years. And so just being involved in those communities and... Um, Continually learning, continually growing, being mentored and shepherded by older, um, older men that I felt like were um, years ahead of what I was mm -hmm. going to be doing um, mm -hmm. was amazing and incredible. Go get a mentor. <laughs> mm -hmm. Go get a mentor. Um, and so I've really seen God work through me in those communities. And I always have a saying that you know, a shepherd has a flock, a shepherd has a certain flock, and it doesn't make sense if a shepherd's with a flock he doesn't necessarily need to be with. Mm. He should be with his specific flock mm. of sheep, and, you know, we always hear this cliche saying of, uh, you know, the sheep know the shepherd's voice, but it's very true. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if, you if you're a shepherd and you find yourself amongst a group of sheep that... Um, God wants you to be with, all of a sudden doors just start opening left and right, and and transformation is happening, life is, you know, is happening, and, and God really works um, what he is wanting in not only those people, but yourself. So um, it's not this, uh, oh, I'm the shepherd, and you're mm. the sheep, you know. And appointed, yeah. Yeah, but it, it's, it's more role-based, it's more... Um, it's more uh, community, communal. Um, hmm. And so I've learned a lot just being in that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Let's, let's, he said, go get 
a mentor. A mentor. Yeah. Let's talk about that. That was like three bold. That's bolded. Yeah. I'm seeing that. Yeah. So why you, why do you say that? I say that because one, I've experienced what I guess the benefits and just the amazing um, wisdom that has entered my life just through mentors of mine. Um, but I also see a culture and a society where mentorship is becoming less and less, especially somewhat in the Christian sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and there will always be mentorship, but it's become this behind the doors kind of thing. It's become it's become more of this. Um, you really have these young guys and girls who are, um, they will go out of their way to find an older woman or an older man, you know, after church or or just somewhere um, where they meet somebody at a coffee shop and they're like, hey, I would love to get coffee with you. And, you know, they start to meet regularly because they click and, and, and it's just so beneficial for both of them. And essentially that is a form of mentorship. But I think we don't talk about it. Mm, Um, We don't, there's no, there aren't, you know, classes that we can learn about it. You know, there's not an announcement, you know, um, saying like, hey, here's a list of older men and women who want to uh, get coffee with you. Sure. You know, on a a regular basis. And and the same with... um, you know, younger folk who they don't even know where to go mm-hmm. to even find that. Yeah. And so um, those two reasons make me say, go find a mentor. And it's hard because obviously, um, like I just said, like it can be hard to find yeah. one, but they're there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes one side you just you got to go out there. You just got to yeah. go out there. You got to find one, and and it's so beneficial. I mean, from kindergarten to through college, you're assigned a teacher or your mentor or yeah. someone who will be with you through mm-hmm. college. So you're always assigned somebody, but we're never really taught how to go seeking. Um, Absolutely. And we've both seen it um, leading young life of just uh, leaders that didn't have a a mentor or wasn't me or weren't meeting regularly with someone of like the potential burnout. We see it in churches of pastors that maybe feel like they don't or can't have a mentor or just whatever's going on. And so in the burnout, especially this past year, yeah, they're alone. Yeah. So yeah, that's huge. That is huge for everybody. So who are some of those key mentors? um, If you were to give a shout out and, and how did they, and in what ways did they shape and mold and invest in you? Yeah. Um, I have a couple mentors, but I will just specifically give a shout out to one and uh, David Bynconey. And this man, uh, since my freshman year of undergrad, we've been walking together. Mm. And it started with a Young Life small group, actually. Um, And I still look back at that small group and just smiles come Mm. come across my face. Um, The guys who are in that group and also just, um, just having an older man who was so on fire for God um, that he was, you know, the first time I met David, it was sort of like, oh man, this guy's a little weird because it's like, here's this like 50 plus year old man. And he's like talking about Jesus in a way that like 
a new believer, you know, um, someone who's just got on fire for the Lord. Um, That's awesome. You know, and he's just getting riled up, and it riled up all the other guys, and we just had a good time just diving into Scripture, um, you know, holding each other accountable, um, but also just, like, living life with one another. Um, And so David and I, we've been walking for a long time. I still meet with him regularly. Um, We have a pretty good um, routinely just, you know, I'll call David and be like, hey, I want to meet. And he's like, I was thinking about you. That's awesome. And, um, I mean, we talk about everything, everything. And so he is what I would consider a spiritual father. Um, He is the Paul to my Timothy, as I like to say. And so... um, That's great. And we're... the funny thing is, we're we're we are not alike in as opposite as could be, huh? And and we have similarities, which you know I think that's what originally uh, has us click, you know. And, yeah. and we've we've just embraced the similarities and the differences. But it's crazy to think how David's strengths are help balance what my natural weaknesses are. And so having a mentor with a focus on certain things that he's strong in that I'm naturally weak in makes me learn and grow those those weaknesses. And so those actually become strengths over time um, just by being with him, you know. And so um, that's so cool to hear. Yeah. Now, is David still involved with CLC? He is like big time. He's like the he's the local chapter guru guy. He is. I was a part of one and got to meet him a couple times. And so it, and you know, and he's so he is a little undercover. He doesn't yeah. like to you know. He just he tries to make sure other groups are happening and are healthy. Exactly. But you may never see him behind the scenes hmm. meeting with the leaders. And and yep. you know, he's someone who um, I'm curious when you know, you know. When I'm passed away, you know, and I can see, hey, like, can I just see the lists of men that David Bianconi has, like, reached, who he's touched, like, who he's influenced without even, you yeah. know, a, yeah. a, a con- first contact kind of basis. Yeah. And I think that list is going to be really, I really, agree. really long. So, so for our listeners who aren't aware, CLC is a, a men's intense discipleship Um program that they make a two-year commitment, meet weekly. There is roughly five days of homework required. Hmm. Um, there's a good stack of books over those two years that you read together, um, a, a whole deck of cards of memory verses that you are drilled on each week. Um, so it is it is really intense. I walked through it with a group of guys. Our two-year commitment kind of got stretched out to two and a half, but it was really, really fruitful. And David is one that is really making this happen in the Knoxville and surrounding area. Um, it's obviously being done in other cities, but man, he is a diamond here. You're right that a lot of folks just don't realize kind of how's this happening. And David's a big part of that. Man, we'd love to. I'd love to get David on here. Yeah, that's um, good. Hear his story. Uh, who's invested in him and shaped him to now become the leader that he's obviously become? Yeah. Um, boy, that would be fun. Maybe you can connect us, Nate. Absolutely, that would be awesome. I would love to. That I would think be it would cool. be great. Yeah, we we might have a fourth mic. We could do all four. Yeah, (laughs) but should we do rapid fire now? 
All yeah, right. That's right. Get your coffee ready. Get a sip if you need it, because these questions are coming at you fast, <laughs> man. So rapid fire typically is where we just take a break in the um, interview and like to switch it up a little bit and give people a chance to get to know you personally. So the first question here is going to be your favorite movie. And as Christian likes to usually say, this is the movie three quarters of the way through from the beginning in the middle. It doesn't matter where you can sit down and just enjoy this movie because you love it that much. Yes, sir. I already know. Oh, let's I go. Mean, I, I have a list of, of movies I like to, I, I really enjoy, you know, good movies, yeah. cinema, film. Right. You yeah. know? We've seen each other at plenty of premieres. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, the one that comes to mind, though, that is sort of taken the, the, the top is um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, 1963. You know, Robert Redford, um, Paul Newman. I mean, yeah. what? Ooh, if you if you have watched it, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say what a chase scene. Mm. I mean, this. Mm, it's awesome. It is a cowboy movie that everyone should watch. <laughs> Did you expect that? No. It's so <laughs> funny. I love it. I love it. We've had some random ones. Yeah. Um, Jeremy had like three that were just not even related. Yeah. They were all Adam Sandler movies. Yeah, they were. Interesting. (laughs) It was was like Home Alone. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Sandlot or something. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so the next one, this could be the most influential book that you're currently reading or have read, other than the Bible, of course, or a person. If you, instead of reading, you like listening um, to podcasts or sermons, what what are you hearing and digesting? Man, okay, so there is a guy, I guess I'll give another shout out. There is a church um, and a pastor up in New York. Um, and it's called uh, the City Church, and this—I uh, believe he's Australian. He's either Australian or South African. He has—he has that accent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's—he's he's Australian. He's not he's from, from Ireland. No. no, which we do have a good <laughs> chunk of listeners listening right Shout now. Shout out to our Irish Shout listeners. Out. We're coming. Oh, we We're coming to hit a, us up in our email to a local pub near you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and his name is John Tyson. John Tyson. Okay. And man, I. I love listening to what they're doing up there in such a diverse. Is he in Manhattan, in the city? Yes, okay. they are in the city of New York, and which is part of why they call their church in the you know the city church. Okay, um, that's awesome. And they're just a breath of fresh air. I think um, I think a lot of churches um, could be listening to them and getting some great insights on how to balance the traditional um, ways of church with this new um, this new era of um, just younger believers the yeah. new, younger generation um, that's trying to figure out what they're doing city church and you said John John Tyson, Tyson awesome. Yes. So I've been listening to him. I'm like waiting for him to write a book. I'm like, come on <laughs> And so he's a little bit younger. he's uh, sort of in his 30s, okay. but not to his 40s yet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's real young, man. Yeah. I'm definitely going to say that. <laughs> That's my age bracket. But he's so wise for yes, his age. Love it's, it. it's, ah. Love it. Love this generation of leadership God's raising up. So I'm curious what this answer is going to be. Our go-to comfort food. Is this something dad would make? Is this something you just like that you've grown to love? Like you don't feel good or you just so something, something from Knoxville. Yeah. What is that? Oh, I, w- I wish... And if you know a place, let me know. Um, I haven't gone exploring for this particular comfort food, but mm. and it always, I think it throws people off. But Louis, Louisiana Cajun food, 
is okay. something that I just yes, like it, a low country bo- uh, shrimp boil here. What do we have? Shrimp having? boil, jambalaya, Ooh. jambalaya. Um, okay, just all of it. Start a church in New Orleans, aren't you? There was the guy that was over transportation at Cedar Springs. He was over like all the vans, making yeah. sure they were up and running. He's ca- he's from Louisiana. Nah. Once a like, I need to be friends. With once him. a year, once a like semester per se, with the church, how the calendar works. Um, he would fix everyone in the church, which Cedar Springs is a huge staff. Oh my! A big jambalaya. Come on! It was so good. So. You need to find him I, and go yes. to his house. And be like, "Hey, I heard you got the jambalaya. Yes. Where's it at?" Yes. Old Bay season it, yeah. So it's it's wow. a it's a it's a it's a little different. That's not what I was gonna. I don't right? know of any Louisiana style foods here. No, not that I can think. You can go of. to the shrimp dock and you have to make your own. Yep. Yeah. You can get the fresh and take it home and have your own boil, but. Mm. It does sound good right now. I know. Now I'm getting hungry. All right. (laughs) Let's keep going. Hey, we're into our warmer season of the year. Um, Curious. Obviously, you're uh, stepping into some new roles at REI. Nate at REI. What? Nate at REI. What is your favorite outdoor activity? What do you just enjoy doing in good old East Tennessee or anywhere? I'm a rock climber, and so that is always going to be the answer that comes to my mind, but, yeah. um, so scaling some slate. Yeah. You know, and, and it's a certain type of rock climbing. It's, it's, it's called bouldering. And so that's where you use the crash pad and it looks very dangerous and unsafe as you're hanging off of a rock. Um, so it, it doesn't have any ropes. It's, it's the okay. other, it's so no belaying, no, no belaying, yep. no harness. It's the other form of rock climbing. And so, um, that is something that I've been doing since undergrad um, when I was at UT, and they have a great outdoor program there. So shout out to UTOP. Um, UTOP. UTOP. <laughs> UTOP, yep. UT outdoor program. Okay, so, I got you. Um, but yeah, so it's so either bouldering. rock climbing or rolling in the grass at a park, you know? <laughs> like Sounds itchy. <laughs> it can be. It can be. Not near as dangerous as the previous bouldering. Bouldering. I just heard. It makes me think of Shrek. Boulder? That's a nice boulder. <laughs> What's that rock doing there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old Shrek. All right, so we get to maybe one of your funniest or most bizarre <clears throat> ministry experiences. Maybe this was growing up as a kid. Maybe this is you yourself, young life days or church life. What's a funny ministry experience? So when I was in seventh grade, I still remember it, and I remember this particular uh, event just because there were so many different aspects of one, it being bizarre and wonderful and just funny and and ridiculous. Um, And so it was a classic, you know, uh, retreat, and we were having um, skits. And so in Korean-American, you know, youth ministries, skits are like a huge thing. I don't know what it is. so funny. Like... You know, they would divvy up everybody into different teams, you know, try to diversify the age and, you know, the genders and, and, and you know, all, all sorts of stuff. And they would put you in these teams and, they, you know, they would give you a set amount of time and they, you know, sometimes there would be a theme. Sometimes each each group would have a different skit theme that they would have to do. And then you would have to do it. You would have to present it. You would have to perform this skit in front of everybody else. And I just don't know where it came from. <laughs> but it was awesome. It was so much fun. And there was a skit 
and I mean, these skits are ridiculous, you know? Um, so there was one skit where um, my group, we were in, and I had to get in a box. And I'm talking like a moving cardboard box, like one of those boxes that you just use. Mm-hmm. You fill it with books, and you're like, hey, we're moving. You know, put like all our stuff in there and, you know, tape it up and we're gone. And the box was big enough to where when I was in seventh grade, I could fit in it. And I just remember part of our skit, the only scene that I was in was me hiding in this box. And things were happening all around me. And I I was just sitting in the box for quite a while. It was like (laughs) supposed to be this like lid closed, lid closed, everything. (laughs) And it was supposed to be this like jump scare kind of thing. Right. Uh huh. And so at the the climax of the skit, you know, all of a sudden things are happening and then, you know, somebody gives a little tap on uh-huh. the cardboard box Your saying, cue. hey, my, you, you know, the cue's ready. And uh, I come jumping out of this box and it was just, I don't know, I that's just what I, <laughs> what I think of is that, is that event. And, you know, everybody in the crowd's like, oh my God like what like how long has he been in the box and <laughs> just craziness that's so, so if funny. you're if you're ever in a skit it could be anything if you're ever in a anything. skit with three ninjas and there's a box Ooh. and <laughs> who knows awesome. i feel like you who were knows? i feel like you were groomed for young life like this was like for skits at young life yeah for like yeah you were definitely prepared it takes me back to some of my favorite skits oh man we, we always were learning that skits are like the best way to break down those walls and get people get kids laughing and just ease up cabin yeah, time or yeah. small group time. Or that's crazy. Still do it to this day. Still do it to this day. Yeah, yeah. That's right. It's, it's that's so funny. Good. Man, thanks for sharing that. <laughs> All right, we'll shift gears back to... Yeah, um, as we wrap up, mm-hmm. um, we kind of just want to hear, like, or want our listeners to hear, like, what's next? What's next for Nate over these next five years? Uh, where's that trajectory going? We've heard kind of, like, what's been put on your heart uh, outside of this, but... Yeah. And I, I think it'll be really cool because some of the things you shared with me, the intentionality of you being bivocational right now mm-hmm. and what you feel like the Lord wanted to shed some light on in 2020, if the church will listen hmm. to what what is going to be the kingdom next uh, principle, the model, the how are we going to truly reach our nation in this in this hour? So I'd love to I'd love to hear you share that. Yeah, um, you know. If you know Nate Choi, Nate Choi's life can look different uh, pretty quickly. And it's very interesting, like, what's the next five years uh, look like for me? And I think it's been very clear of being stable, being being um, rooted where I'm at. And that's part of what I think um, what's happening in the church is, is uh, building relationship where we're at, building stock with the groups and communities we're at. And, um, you know, two years from now, I'm hoping to still be at REI. I'm, to, I'm, I'm hoping to still be at the Hope and All Souls communities. I'm hoping to still be involved with um, the friend groups and the, the, um, the people that I live life with daily. Um, and that's really it. 
And I think a lot of people who know me would be surprised by that. They'd be like, no, Nate's like going to be flying, you know, internationally going somewhere. He's going to be doing this, doing that. And for some reason, I think God is wanting me to just sort of settle down and stabilize in Knoxville. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is because um, he knows what he has in store for me in the city, um, you know, in the next five, in the next 10, in the next 15 years. And I think it's just all preparation for that moment, for those moments in the future. And, um, you know, I think a lot of things are happening in the church. I think a lot of things are happening in, um, you know, faith-based communities where, relationship will really be tested relationship will really be um it'll be clear how deep um your relationship really was like those will be very evident in the future whereas you know in our current time and in the past that might have been able to slip under the rug and and get by um and so Hmm. it's you know, part of having a good, strong relationship is is to be consistent, is to be present, is yeah. to have depth. And so um, I'm still learning and growing in how to continually have stability, consistency, so which then leads to depth, yeah. which then leads to um, just fulfilling deep relationship, which, you know, God can... He likes to use that um, primarily. Yeah. So that's so good. Yeah. You know, as you were saying that about, you know, a lot of my friends may have expected to hear this, but I really feel like it's right here, right now. And um, I think about Jesus. You know, he said a lot of great things. <laughs> he said this. He said, you know, really the the stewardship of being able to walk into much is about what you're doing with what is in front of you right now. Um, you know, if if you are faithful in this, what may even be deemed as little, but you are in that moment and you're owning it with faithfulness and integrity and honor and walking before the Lord in, in, in every way you can, then that is what leads to the much. It's it's not, oh, you've got the vision and you're planning and you're preparing for the much. No, the way you actually get to that is by being right here mm-hmm. in this moment and learning the lessons that God's trying to teach you here. Yeah. And so many, especially young leaders, oh, I was, I'm, I'm guilty of this myself. We want to shortcut that process because we're more interested in the outcomes than we are the journey, mm-hmm. which God is not. And so he wants us to be in that moment, present and faithful to steward what he's put right in front of us. And that's what I'm hearing you say, he, that that's he, where God's got He's a got God you. of the process. He's a God of the, of the journey, you know. I mean, you, you look at all these stories in the, in, the, in the Bible, and they're all stories. They're all journeys. They're all places that people are trying to get to. Yeah. But, the, but what's written is the time in between, Yeah. you know, from point A to point B. That's what... Yeah. is written about is yeah. while they were That's on cool. the journey. So, man, yeah. I saw I've seen two tattoos in the last day. This is going to be a weird, yeah. <laughs> that just said I've said here we go. G like God is greater, and then it's got an arrow up. Then our highest mountaintops, and then it's got an arrow down. Then our lowest valleys. God is greater than all of these heights, and and low, that He is the constant. 
He is the consistent one that is faithful in all of it. And um, I think that's what he's trying to bear in his image through us, yeah. uh, especially in moments like this where we're seeing ebbs and flows in our culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing a social divide like never before. We're seeing the pain of polarity that continues to plague our country and world. And, and God is trying to say something through and to his people that, listen, these aren't the tidal waves that you ride. We have a kingdom that is not of this earth to bring from heaven to here, and it's going to look remarkably different. Um, The waves that that brings, boy, they're going to bring life. It's going to be teeming. Let people jump into this. Which I think leads good into our next question, which is, what's one thing that you wish you could uh, accomplish or change? We talked about this out of off air, uh, and I really liked your answer. I don't think Michael will be expecting your answers, so... Yeah, um, you know, uh, and this is no money. Like, yeah, not that you don't you don't need what your answer is. You don't need money for it, but I mean, you know, I love money. I love you know <laughs> wanting to to change things. You know, that might be tangible and physical, but honestly, uh, honesty. You know, like I just wish people could say what was truly on their hearts and on their minds and for me as well you know there's such a um there's a lot of societal pressure hmm. to sound right to um the use to use the right words to use the right tone and that is all good but we can't not be honest though hmm. right and sometimes i think our society we've gotten so good at um using you know, the politically correct term, or we're using um, our tone to sort of hide what we're really feeling. And, um, you know, and that goes just back to um, relationship. You know, if you have a, if you have a strong relationship with somebody, even if the tone's not right, even Mm. if the words are not right, that person knows you and they can say, Ooh, I didn't like that tone or that just didn't hit me right. Yeah. But I know him. I know Nate, and I know he means well. I know he cares about me enough to just say what's honestly yeah. the so unfiltered good. truth. And so, um, that is something that I'm hoping for. And yeah. you know, it's it's a little bit of, of a wow. different take to that question. Yeah. But um, it reminds me of lowercase J and jerk. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So one of uh, the things our staff had had looked at just a couple of weeks ago in our staff meeting was having permission. Obviously, taking the relationship risk, because all relationships are risk, to get involved. But what we really wanted to spin that and say was it's actually riskier to not be engaged. Mm. It's actually riskier to not want to connect with someone deeply. But we have to give permission to one another. And this came out of Patrick Lencioni's uh, podcast at the the table, uh, from the table group. And so he says, give permission to yourself and to your team to be to be little jerks, to be lowercase j, not big, ca- not, you know, capital J jerks. You know, we've all got those in, in our lives that we wish weren't there, but to be able to pull and to um, spur one another on, as the Bible would say, towards good works, but to push people towards better, towards what God has for them and say, hey, it's okay in relationship to really, and, and the church is the worst at this. The church is the absolute worst. We'll walk out of a meeting and we'll talk about each other behind each other's backs. Mm -hmm. And that's why 
we see more hurt and pain in the church than we do in the business world because the business world is like, no, you know, we've got a mission, we've got a goal, and it is worth pushing you towards or realizing you're not a good fit for the team. But we won't do that in the church because we feel like we've got to have the smiley face and the uh, niceties Mm -hmm. that we no longer call each other towards the mission and the goal as the highest value, so much so that I will even push you towards that, and I hope you'll do the same for me, and we can have that kind of relationship. And so I hope that that's being revamped. And with your statement, I have to be honest, I want to share something that I'm still wrestling with. I approached another ministry leader a couple of weeks ago um, in Knoxville and said something that I felt like was a hard truth. Part of it I felt like was from my heart, and part of it was something else that someone had placed inside me. Do you know what I mean? You can have a conversation with another ministry leader, and then they plant like a, an idea of something that needs to be addressed, and now you're owning it as if it's your own. And so part of this was mine, part of it was someone else's, and then I approached this brother that I loved deeply. And in that conversation, whether I was right or whether I was wrong or my approach was different, I can tell it has changed my relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And it really hurts me. It hurts my heart. It grieves me. And I don't know what to do about it. I, I just pray that God will you allow time for it to weather. If I need to apologize, would you help me to see and own my mistakes in that process? But I hope that we can have relationship with people around a table to where we can say, you know what? Even if you say some hard things, and even if I disagree with some of the things you're saying, Mm -hmm. and I still, I think maybe half of it was maybe something I needed to hear, and half of it, I'm not so sure. I'm going to throw it out for right now, and and maybe the Lord will bring it back up. But that we can still have relationship, and we can still celebrate with one another the victories we see God uh, bringing about in in our lives together. And we can also, uh, we can mourn together and and walk through those valleys, but we've got to be able to do it in relationship. Mm -hmm. Because Jesus talks about throwing our pearls before swine, and this has to do with being honest with people who aren't prepared for your honesty because there's not the relationship equity there. And the Proverbs would say that a, a word in season is what is going to bring about the fruit that you want to see it bring. And so sometimes it's discerning the timing. Sometimes it's discerning the the relationship value that is really there because we want to see the outcomes of growth and fruit in our life and in someone else's. And we know it takes the iron sharpening iron. And I need it from mentors and people who will speak into my life relationally. And hopefully we're being that in other people's lives. So let's give grace and let's give space. And I think from your answer... That sounds like a desire that you really hope to see our culture shift yeah. towards. Yeah. Yes, yes. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because it, it really does highlight the relationship status, mm. where it's at. How deep know? is it? How deep is it? Yeah. And, and that's, that's scary. That yeah. is something that most people don't want to yeah. find out. Mm. Yeah, you know? that's a vulnerable moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's so. test it. Mm. Yeah. But more value and more good yeah. comes out of it. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. fruit of it. That's, That's so, so good. good. Hmm. Nate, we got one more, man. Then we're landing this plane as you sip your coffee. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed sitting here with you. Um, but what's one thing you would like to tell your 22-year-old self? We're not too far, both of us, <laughs> from that age. That was last year. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get him in the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm, what would I tell my 22-year-old self? Um, stay in Knoxville. Mm -hmm. I've had many... I almost moved back to L.A. pretty recently, you know, around 2020, COVID era, and, you know, just being closer to family. Um, But I realized 
God has something for me here. And, you know, he's like, you can go, you can go, you know, you have free will, you can go do um, what you want, but I'm still, you know, we have a relationship and I know you hear my voice and here's me as a, as a friend and as, you know, um, telling you, Hey, there's something here for you. And so, um, mm-hmm. I can just look back year by year and, uh, remember moments of just disappointment or discouragement and wanting to change it up, wanting for something new. And luckily I've stayed but yeah. that's just something where um, if God said something, bank on it, invest in it, double down, because if you do, you'll reap what you sow. Mm. You'll reap the um, the beauty and the joy that God has for you um, in whatever that whatever he's yeah. called you to. But if, if you leave a little early, it really changes, you know. Um, shortcut, what he was doing. The shortcut. And, uh, yeah, so I would say, because when I was 22, I don't think I, I, I knew what I was doing. I don't think God had instilled in me um, the purpose, or he had not told me why Knoxville. Um, that wasn't until I was 25. And so I'm like, man, if I wasn't in Knoxville... When I was 25, my whole life could look completely different. And so um, I'd tell my 22-year-old self to stay the path. Yeah. Just stay the path that, you know, I knew Knoxville, didn't know why, but decided to stay here. And three years, you know, later from 22, um, you know, you you hear the reasoning behind why Knoxville. Yeah. Here's why. Yeah. And then now that I'm almost 27, I can look back and say, oh, my goodness. Thank the Lord that I'm, I've heard and I know what I'm doing and I'm doing it. Yeah. So, and That's hopefully so I'll continue to be able to do it. So. That's awesome. Nate, thank you so much for coming in and sharing with us. I'm hearing today, man, enjoy the journey, enjoy the process. Um, don't keep seeking for the outcomes, but just enjoy where God has got you planted. I hope listeners, you guys have enjoyed it as well. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love to receive an email at coffeeconvospodcast at gmail.com. That's coffeesconvopodcast at gmail.com. It'll be in the description. Yep. You'll see it there. Also, Bren. Bren. Thanks, man. And shout out to Ireland. And shout out to those in Ireland. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email. Send us what you would like for us to discuss next. Um, some some great ideas. And uh, we, of course, will be interviewing more leaders. We've got an opportunity, though, to not just stay local. We are going to uh, be patching in some folks from our uh, our network of friends and leaders uh, that are around the nation. And, hey, maybe across the pond over there to the lucky side of Ireland. Hey, I'd love to come to the greener pasture. So until next time, we hope that you will enjoy the journey.